Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends, how are we all all doing? I'm Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, and tonight it is my great honour to um, provide some great entertainment. We're going to be talking about our elite veterans, Commando Nine Mile, Speed March, aka Beasting. Um, But before we do that, here's a little bit about me if I can find it. The Veterans Channel. I guess I'm one of, one of these people that likes running. It's always really kept me on the straight and narrow. In October 2018, former British Royal Marine Chris Thal set out to run 999 miles across the United Kingdom to support the Bhutan Charity and raise awareness of issues surrounding veteran mental health and veteran suicide. One day, I was sat at the computer and I thought, has anyone ever run, run the length of the UK? And I came across one guy that, that had done it and his story had been written up in a newspaper. I thought, do you know what? I'd really, really like to do that. Not just for the run. In, in fact, the run was probably the, the, the least part of it. I was more interested in setting myself such a challenge spending time on my own and camping in a sort of an idyllic spot every night or at least that was the that was the plan so i thought yeah i'll run the length of the uk so i decided i'm going to run solo as in just myself i'm going to be unsupported as in i'm not going to have a crew with me i'm going to carry all my own equipment so i can camp as and when i need to and i'm going to run an ultra marathon a day and just as I decided to do that, and just as I started to get my equipment together, I popped a disc in my spine. And it was uh, next to kidney stones. It was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced. I phoned my surgeon and I just begged him, Could, is, is there any way you can kill this last bit of pain? He gave me a swift operation. I had still had significant back pain. I had brain damage from all the medication that I'd had to take when I was in extreme pain. I put them to my partner and said, you know, should I really be doing this? And she said, Chris, you'll do it. And that was it. To see her belief in me at a time where I wasn't even sure myself, that just told me, yeah, I will, won't I? I'll do it. A big part of it was I wanted to show people what the human body and the human mind's capable of how if you set your goals, you should just follow them through and not and not let anything or anybody deter you. There hasn't been a single footstep I've taken on this journey that hasn't been thoroughly enjoyable. I'm gonna do it for a veterans charity. I want to raise awareness of this alarming rate of suicide we've got amongst our veterans at the moment. If I have to crawl an ultramarathon a day, I'll, that's what I will do. I wanted to put the message out there to veterans who are struggling as as I had, that there's always a light 
So long as you look within, you dig deep, change maybe a few of your paradigms, be prepared to change, you can achieve anything. And there we go. So let's uh, talk a little bit more about me. That's a joke, guys, by the way. Um, no. What I should say, though, before we go any further, is that wonderful video was made by former Royal Marine Matty Elliott, big legend in the film world. So thank you. Um, thank you, Matty. Um, and with that, it leaves me no further ado but to introduce our guests for the evening. So I don't know which way everyone's seeing this. I, you guys, I'm talking to, but we've got Rick Coulson. Hello, Rick. Are you, Chris? How are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> good, good so far, mate. Jace Patterson. Hello, Jace. Hi, guys. Nice to see you, Chris. And we've got Andy Duncan or Dunks. Hello, Royal. How are you? Good, thanks. Everybody okay? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All fire. I think we're all firing, mate. And um, I think it's been, I think it's been a bit of a special thing, hasn't it? Embarking on this, get sort of reliving our um, our youth a, a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Reliving it, struggling to relive it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny if we died, wouldn't it? Of a heart attack or something, then it it wouldn't be great reliving our youth at all. It'd be awful. <laughs> Well, it's all well and good uh, Dunk saying that. He's former PTI, so what hope have we got? <laughs> so before we go any further, massive thank you to everybody that has joined us on Facebook and YouTube. So first off, to all our friends on YouTube, can you put some comments in the chat? Any comments you want to put to us, guys? Um, any insults is also welcome. And just a hello out there to Jonathan Russell, Jane. Hello, Jane, Bobby, Paul, JH, Tony, and Luke, who's our podcast manager. Hello, Luke. Thanks for joining us all. And yeah, feel free to ask us any questions. I don't know how well we're going to see them on um, Facebook because sometimes you have to keep refreshing facebook to see if anyone's talking to you but oh well uh i'm glad you're in charge of the technology chris i i think in charge is putting it a bit strong dunks you know <laughs> so right dunks why is the nine miler sort of special and iconic to the to the bootnecks well it's it, it's iconic in the fact that it really is just iconic within the Royal Marines, really. The, the, you know, the Army, the Paras, they've got their thing. The, the RAF have got their thing. I don't know what the Navy have got, if I'm honest. Uh, but, you know, during that phase up at Aknakari, when you got off that train to start your commando train, and every time you got off that train, even with your suitcase, you were running all the way. You know, and that has never been lost and hopefully never will be lost. And so it's part of the commando training now. You have got to complete. And it's not just about completing the speed march, is it? You've got to be able. It's not getting over the line, dipping on the line and then collapsing. It's about getting to the line. And from then on, you are then able to fight. 
you know so it's it's all very well doing it but you've got to do it comfortably for them to be able to carry on for further operations that's the idea mate that might be the idea that didn't stop me collapsing like a bag of shit <laughs> one, one millimeter one millimeter past that line yes get in that's done <laughs> you used to have to do a section attack after you finished it some some troops made you do that some teams training teams yeah and firemen's carry yeah, 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 on the top field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, things have changed. It's um it's it's been a good week. I should give a shout out to, to um all the boys who've become my friends that got their green lids this um this week. One of the first troops in a in apparently many a year where everybody passed all the, the commando tests first time, which is oh, massive massive you know, okay. massive credit to you all. Um, yes, that's it, isn't it? But back in those days, well, a bit similar, really, to to the lads that have joined in the last 20 years and the, the lads that joined right before the Falklands is um, certainly in the Second World War when the commandos were commissioned by Winston Churchill, they knew that they was joining, they were going to get sent straight to war yeah um, which is mind you i put him for 4-2 commander because i knew that we'd go straight to northern ireland so um did you guys have any preferences what unit you went to and, and why i think i think my first unit i wanted to go up to four five because apparently it was full of rebellious people and <laughs> it was it was just full of bad asses and I thought well that would maybe suit me down to the ground which it did and it was full of rebellious people uh you know just what I call proper bootnecks um Rick what about you no the, I did the old uh, direct specialization scheme so I were pinged you know um so yeah that's that's how i i started uh thankfully i managed to get out of that branch you know a corporal level entry um what branch, so, yeah. what branch did you go into I, I i went six i was an s2 and then i relinquished that and went pw um which is like every boy's dream isn't it weapons weapons tactics all that good stuff so yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Siring. Oh, firing grenade machine guns. <laughs> Ooh, such good fun. <laughs> Jace, where, where did you end up, Jace? I ended up a 4 2 commando, it was my baby unit, um, but I always wanted to go to the fight in 45th. Eventually went there, and um, I was sort of poached to uh, command your group after that, like so many of us. The um, dreaded West Coast. Ah, uh, but I had a good I loved it. draft up there. As a team commander on the anti-piracy, just flying around with your six-man team all around the world, fantastic. Only did it two weeks behind wire. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, you're, lucky. Hard, you? <laughs> you're lucky. I must, have, I must have done your two years for you then. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did help that another corporal messed up, so I got his team. Gents, <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention any names. <laughs> but it was legendary. An incident in Bahrain. <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> gents. Just yeah. a couple of things. Um, what I'm gonna do is play our video, our uh, all about our speed march. Just that one minute video, just for people that haven't seen it before. 
Um, and I meant to say, if I'm looking like this, it's, I'm not being rude. It's just I've got a screen there, screen there, and I've only got I've got two eyes and three screens. So work that one out. Let's find our video. I'm glad I brought you guys tonight. Well done. <laughs> I was just trying to say we're back, and in that one minute, I've just done three different evolutions to keep uh, to keep us on the straight and narrow well, with the technology someone asking about cardio um don't know if dunk seen that one i can't see anything dunk, oh. bobby moore yeah. hello bobby um if i need to get cardio fit whoa thank you uh if i need to get cardio fit myself do i need to condition my legs and what's the breakdown for time doing it maybe even specific exercises well I, th I think it's it's very important because you can you, you, i mean we all know this like if you run and run and run and run you're going to become good at running there's no question about that oh, keep talking my uh, but what you've got to remember is just by running that's all you're going to be good at is just running if you start doing other things like carrying heavy kit carrying heavy loads you've got to condition your legs to be able to generate that power and what you've got to be careful of as well is a lot of runners get sore knees and the easiest way for runners to get over sore knees is to start doing weights on the legs leg extensions squats deadlifts you know that kind of thing so it's important that if you imagine that kneecap is like a, a central hub for you to be able to run and walk but you've got to strengthen every muscle around that and if you're just running then that's all you're doing you've got to mix it up all the time and as for time scale time scale isn't really important because you've got to remember when you're training you're destroying your muscles to become stronger so the idea is that time is irrelevant the most relevant point is you've got to give yourself time to rest and recover to then hit again for your muscles to grow and for your stamina vo2 max cardio to increase yes another thing dunks up i'll say because i get a lot of um can we call them youngsters message me and chris i'm going to limston what do i you know and the main thing i'll say is you've got to enjoy it you know <laughs> get out get your headphones on get in the countryside jog along smell the fresh air it, it, running's just a it's a lovely it's just it's meditation isn't it and it is it is i'll say you don't have to beast yourself into the ground every single time maybe the last my run's always the same it's always the last 500 meters <laughs> i run as fast as i can but um yeah in enjoying it what what about you guys any any tips for budding budding recruits or uh, fitness joining the core i mean when when i was teaching recruits nods as we used to call them is a lot would struggle more with their upper body they're constantly running so they're therefore getting that that train inside of it so i won't say go and start beasting yourself with loads of weight on your back because you're going to get get plenty of practice in that so you know um work on your upper body just as you know as much if not more but it needs to be not just gym fitness you need to be out there you need to be able to do your own body weight as well they will progress you in training but you know there's quite a few i'm sure dunks will back it up where people do struggle on the ropes 
So, you know, get the rope climbing in, learn the technique, do your pull-ups on the ropes, etc. That was it. Don't have three dunks. Yeah, 100% yeah. agree. You don't need to lift weights. Yeah. The only thing I would say on it, sorry to interrupt, dunks, is um, in this day and age now, um, the kids are more educated with the fitness and stuff like that. But also, we have things like the CrossFit gyms and everything else. And that functional fitness is fantastic prep, I think, personally. I don't know if you agree, Dunks, or not. But for, for going into the tour, I really do, because it incorporates all the different sort of physical activities you'll get up to. I totally agree with you, Rick. You do get developed, you know, by the PTIs uh, at CTC. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 you're, you're right, Jess. You know, uh, fitness has come along you know with crossfit this that, and the other but i think what we've got to remember is it's just a wheel and everybody reinvents it all it is is physical exercise there's just different ways of doing it and there's in this different methodology of doing that fitness but all it is is just fitness and you know what we used to do uh, years ago like with the gladiators you know they used to throw throw metal objects throw clubs around you know and fundamentally when you look at crossfit gyms now they're throwing power bags around they're throwing bits of equipment around and it's just really a full cycle and it's a full circle and but i, th I think what you've got to find is you've got to find that functionality carryover i'm a big believer in things like power bags if you want to develop power then i don't think a, a bench press is a true uh, indication of how strong you are what is true indication of how strong you are to me is if you've got a power bag how far can you push that away how how hard can you slam that into the ground how high can you lift it up in the end throw it sideways you know so it you, you've got to think about it's like a it's like a it's it's four dimensional it's not just on a machine up and down, which is exactly what CrossFit does, but it's what we, what we were doing centuries ago. And I think it's just come back into the forefront. But the, the big thing with CrossFit for me is I think sometimes the weights are a little bit too heavy for the amount of repetitions in which will lead to shoulder damage if you're using yeah. incorrect uh, technique. But there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's absolutely amazing. I love it myself. Mm. You've just got to, again, just keep mixing it. Yeah. Just, you know. But, yeah. We do a lot of improvisation, though, as well, as you know, Dunks, don't we? You know, Jess, Chris, when you're away operationally and stuff and you're still trying to, you know, maintain that level of fitness. Because battle fitness is completely different to any gym fitness, but we improvise, you know, whether it be pouring the concrete in the buckets, you know, using jerry cans, etc fireman's carries all, all that's you know quick explosive fitness but like you say with power but we always improvise and we make use of what we've got or what we can get yeah through our fitness you know absolutely i, I, I remember being on the galachad and uh, and we we found this well it was it was one of the engineers he had this spanner which we uh, which we sort of acquired and we undone some of this chain and we had this great big chain we used as weights and there was a big charlie charlie one across the uh, across the broadcast across the whole ship everybody was looking for this spanner and chain and we were using it for weights and chucking it around 
<laughs> never got it back. <laughs> Ship's anchor, Jim. <laughs> guys, yeah, so just, we're just in the park, guys. <laughs> just got to do a couple of shout outs here. So on the Facebook, we've got Mike Buster Keating, very good friend of mine. Uh, Mike ran the length for the UK to raise awareness. Uh, he ran it all un- unsupported and 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 um, was supported by rum, Mike, wasn't it? I think it was only supported <laughs> by Puzzles Rum. But um, Mike, twice. Mike's there in the chat. <laughs> Absolutely lovely man. Um, we've got John Porter in the chat on um, YouTube saying hello, Royal. So hello, Royal, back to you. Friends, just to say special thank you, Tony, who's made some donations. Thank you, Tony. Cheers, Tony. If you're donating in the in the YouTube chat, guys, that goes to the channel. If you want to donate uh, for our worthwhile cause, the Royal Marines Charity, and we'll explain why why we're doing this for them in the course of our chat tonight. But the link is below the the YouTube video. Um, I was just going to bring it back, guys, and say, I don't think in this this age, uh, when you bear in mind they've extended Limston now by a month, so there's a like a buffer month. And when I asked someone what the hell's that about, they said, "Chris, youngsters are rocking up here now, and they don't know what's, you know, they don't know what's hitting when they, where, uh, when they come here." And um, so I say to the pe- people, "It's train train your mind. <laughs> most of it's in." I mean that's it, isn't it? They say it's a state of mind. I've got it written up, written up there. Um, I was live coaching one young lad again, very very nice man. Won't say his name. And the first thing I did, and this was in winter, <laughs> I threw him in the sea. <laughs> and I said, if you can't hop in there, mate, don't even think about a career in, 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 in you know in the military. Let's get some basics right. And bless him, he just went and did it. And, text me a photo <laughs> got 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 stopped by the police because it was during this uh i'm not going to say the not not going to say the word but during all this uh stuff going on um so yeah the mind isn't it and i'm, I'm probably testament to that because i didn't really do a lot of tra- training before limston i meant to i think i went out running about five times and luckily <laughs> i was quite gifted in in climbing ropes and stuff so um but i always say to people you just as when they when they chat with you it's all about running you know how far should and i say you'd be better off putting a rope up in the woods and and practicing climbing it because that exercise in my troop was more painful for some of the lads that couldn't do it than any of the other stuff put together to get to like what is it week 24 when you hit the bottom field and you still you can't even get halfway up a 30 foot rope and then you've got to do your, your pass out, your BFT pass out. That is your bottom field pass out and that's looming. And you've got that nervousness of knowing that you still haven't got to the top yet. That must've been, that must've been awful. eh? Mm. I think, I think a lot of it's to do with mindset. It was, it was tough, you know, back when I joined up and, you know, I remember trying to phone up my brother, my parents and stuff like that. And they, they weren't that interested, you know, get me home sort of thing. So, but 
you really got to want that green lid. And that's the big thing. To give you an idea, one of the things I struggled with in training was swimming. I couldn't swim. Um, I could tread water. And luckily for me, a guy called Corporal Green, and that's all I remember him as, um, he actually lived in the accommodation. And every night, he would literally get me away from the kit, get me to the pool with the other PTIs, and they taught me to swim. And that was dunking me under with the poles. So I kept on swimming and everything else. And I'm actually, from there, I just managed to uh, pass successfully the battle swim test. Otherwise, I'd have been out of the court. But I wanted it. And I've become a, a really, really strong swimmer. I've done sea swimming and all sorts now. So you've got to really want to push those boundaries and, and move forward and get that mindset going. You really want that. And that's the big thing. People will invest in you, though, Jess, as well. You know, I mean... Yeah. If, if people are just under that line, but they've got that 110% commitment you, and they are a good lad and willing, you will help them. You mm. know, there is, there's nobody, all right, unless they're golden child, you know, King's Badgeman, is, is someone will struggle with something, Yeah. be it the physical or the mental at any stage. And if and if they're not, they're not putting in. You know, they, they will get identified, and 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 they'll be meant to put that effort in, whether it be you know on flank. <laughs> I, I, I think Rick, you know, you know when uh, we were taking recruits through training, because uh, what troop, what troop were we together in then? I can't remember. Um, I took eight five seven eight seven three and a little bit of eight ninety. It must have been 857. I was with you and as a section yeah. commander, wasn't I? I think so, mate. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, I, I can't remember now. But I think uh, the, the, the mentality of when we took recruits through training to when all of us went through training, the mentality of the training teams was different back in our day. It was very much if your face didn't fit, you were going to struggle. Mm. You know, and whereas now it's more of a you're training people in, not selecting them out because you don't like where they live or you don't like where they come from, you know. So but, it, but so, so that so there's more coaching, more nurturing. Because, I mean, I was just listening to Jace there. I mean, I think that's phenomenal of somebody just going, right, listen, okay, he's struggling with swimming, no big deal. And he's turned him around. He's, he's you know, open water swimming. That's just they a had coaching advisory team. You know, when I was teaching recruits who come and, you know, they're teaching the different learning styles of people. So basically, it, it was that instructive thing. If someone's not getting it, gone on one of the days where, you know, or if it was on the range and you're missing and you're getting a, a boot to the helmet, you know, now it's down to, right, well, it's your fault. You're the instructor. He's not learning. So you're not learning their styles because everybody learns different. You know, there becomes a point where, yeah, if someone has been that dense, then, you know, there's only so much you can do, as you know, with the criteria which needs to be met, and they will get the chances, but then it goes, right, you're then going to go into the remedial or be back trooped, you know, but there becomes a point where you've got to identify every, everybody is different. Yeah. And, and that's what the good thing I, I seen at Limston when we, we were getting advice from the coaching advisory team specifically set up, you know, because the days are just thrashing people for the sake of it and them not learning really, yeah. you know, there's a reflection on you from when they move on into their career. 
Yeah. And nobody wants that. You want to be taught properly, um, you know, and lives depend on it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. I, 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 I think it's phenomenal, though, you know, somebody, uh, a trained rank taking somebody and like Jace and going, right, let's get you up to scratch. Mm-hmm. I was desperate. I was desperate to get through training and all the rest of it. And I knew I was at that point, this is going to end, you know, and I didn't want it to. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate and stuff. And it was, I, I, I mean, you know, back then, it, it was brutal the way you were spoken to and the way you were treated. And exactly that sort of thing, you know, they can wait on the photograph to cross you off. Yeah. You know, and, and well, you were getting transferred, weren't you, to two two with Balaclava? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was horrible. It was horrible, but yeah, it was absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's the hard work you put in, and you know, when you finally get your commando flashes in that lid, is absolutely amazing. That feeling, you know. I mean. When do you think, when do you think um, fittest in training, you know, because I think it was a bottom field test, like Chris said, I mean, it was week 20, I think you did it in the morning and then you went up and did whole fast, that was the start of whole fast in the afternoon, but, you know, what about yourself, Dumps, when do you think you got fittest in training? Uh, when I was going through training, I wasn't really that fit, Uh I used to do loads of athletics before that. I used to do like the 100 metres, the 200 metres. I was not prepared for Limston. I was strong as an ox. I was always the best at the pull-ups, press-ups, sit-ups, the sprints. Nobody could touch us. Uh, when it came to the running, the furthest I'd ever ran was 200 metres. You know, and all of a sudden, I'm running four miles, six miles, with kit on. I was like, I was... Uh, I was, oh, it was ridiculous. I was like, what on earth is going on? Because I was specifically built for power. Now I'm having to do endurance and everything was working overtime and I did suffer. And what age were you? 20. 20. What about you, Jess? I would have been 17. Right, good effort. Good effort. Not many get through. I mean, I'd just cracked my 18. What about you, Chris? I was 18, mate. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, you still, your body is still developing, isn't it? You know, technically, but at the same time, it's getting hammered. Yeah. And it does get hammered, you know. I mean, there was nothing to me. I was a skinny little rake. I had a 28-inch waist. You know, I was like a beanpole. I could run really well and everything else. And I actually didn't struggle at the weights and stuff like that. I was quite quite good at it, you know, um, doing rope work and but you are burning all that calorific value, you know. I mean, I remember when I was in training, which was 97, um, Daley Thompson came down. He was instrumental. <laughs> he was instrumental in um, getting the fourth meal for the, for the carbs, to get the carbs in. And, I mean, even when he did the endurance, he couldn't pass it with the kit, with the weight on any, you know, <laughs> decathlete. Yeah, it's 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 because it's specificity, you see, because he's he's trained purely for speed and power. But I've seen it when England rugby team, you know, in in, in two thousand and three when they came down. I mean, I've never seen so many huge blocks broken, mm. and they got an absolute thrashing on the assault cost, and they had no kit on. All right, they had a bit of a log, you know, a bit of a telegraph pole, 
but it, it just shows you the fitness is just battle fitness is totally different and like this nine mile speed match where you're having to be fighting fit at the end of it and you've got timings for a reason you know um but you're doing that as that body of men yeah and listening to the beat i can still hear it now when chris plays that footage you know and you just like that in your head one two three <laughs> and i do that while i've been training and i haven't done that for a many years <laughs> the hardest, um, the, the hardest part of training for me was day seven in induction, and that's that's why I left and went home on day eight. <laughs> hey, get some good t-shirts online, you know. <laughs> I thought you were still paying Louis Bernard off for that t-shirt. <laughs> I nicked it on the way on the way to the train station. Well, everyone else got one with it then. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things for me was um, there was parts of training I enjoyed, and there was parts where you know you you aspire to be like the corporals that are in charge. Of you. you want to be them. You want to be liked, but you desperately want to be liked by them. They just they, they relax more and more as you go through training and stuff like that. But the hardest part I found, to be honest with you was the load carry and the kit especially towards the end i remember with the bergen it was um and this was just me i, I can't remember if it was a gpmg or the lsw i had because I, I kept jumping between the two but i was getting given 66s which were never used for our generation now bear in mind our instructors a lot of them were Oakland's veterans so they're really tough you know coming from there and I'll never forget, you know, we had the spare ammo and everything else. But that Bergen, I, I couldn't physically pick it up off the floor. I almost had to lie down with it, get the arms and get an oppo to pull me up. And I'll never forget one of the train team had actually secretly put rocks into the back of the Bergens as well with some of the lads. And it, honestly, it was just like, what? I just couldn't believe it. Hey, you know? I... I... I'll tell you what, I, I struggled like hell with a low carry. I think short guys generally do. Ant, Ant Middleton talks a lot about it in one of his books. But when I got to Norway for the first time, right? <laughs> Love Norway. Did all did all the AW all all the you know the initial training was was, was fine. I was actually quite a good skier. I come I come seventh out of the company on our first ski race, which was on the second weekend of being over there right but when we went on exercise we we joined the 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 novices joined the main company to go on exercise and i put that bergen on and then i clipped <laughs> into my skis then i fell on my ass without i ain't even moved I, I, I swear to god i thought it was a bite i thought everyone was having a laugh with me and what you really did was put your bergens on on the bv on the transport and they they carried them for you because I just could not, I couldn't think. The best ones, Chris, the best ones where the shorter guys, like, say, me and Dunks, get given two tens. And two tens. I learned on two tens. Ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. But someone see me off here, like. <laughs> I had four-man tent as well. <laughs> and a 320. The best thing, the best thing I did in Norway is I put a little clip on my Bergen um, webbing just here, just a, just a little metal clip, 
and I was LSW as well. And then I just got the LSW and I, I clicked that front bracket. I can't remember what uh, you call it. Yeah. I just clipped it onto there. So any time that I did move, the the weapon just just <laughs> just just stayed just stay there because for friends at home yeah it's quite famous or infamous when you come back from norway and everyone's walking around with broken noses black eyes cuts across <laughs> their heads stitching <laughs> stitches from where the weapons are smack them in the face good old yeti yes you just remind me of something then i've actually i don't know if you guys ever noticed this but um i've got what looks like a boil under my nose <laughs> and it, it's horrible and, uh, it was actually a rifle butt from uh, one of the guys who was playing enemy but I'd, I'd done a room clearance and I split my nose open and in Norway you know you do the buddy buddy system you're looking for any sort of ice on your face or anything like that and always like Chase you've got a drip every time we stopped I'm like that doing this and then they just burst out laughing it was all this because this scar was it was massive <laughs> hey, we've got a good question in the in the chat from Luke. Um, Luke saying, uh, "What level of fizz were we at when we first heard or we first got invited to this nine miler?" And what's been, yeah, don't laugh. What what's been your hardest aspect of training over the last few weeks? Few weeks makes it sound like ages, doesn't it? For me. I think I've only been on the team like two weeks or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I've been for five so, runs. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the hardest aspect, isn't it? Is actually making making yourself do exercise because I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't actually train that much because, you know, I've, I've been there, seen it, done it. I've done countless miles and whatever. Uh, you know, and w when you sort of like leave the military, yeah, sort of like you you get more comfortable. You know, you you've got a nice sofa to sit on. You haven't got a, a a tiny little single bed that isn't a single bed. You know, so you've you've got a house. You've got comfort. You know, you can go to a pub whenever you want. So you know, it's like I haven't done any fizz for years and years and years, and I've only just started. Uh, and when I go on a run, or I go on like a long cycle ride, about 30 miles or something, uh, the next day, my legs are hanging out, you know. And everybody will be the same. Yeah. 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 I only run, I run for mental health, believe it or not. I don't run, you know, for, well, I mean, obviously, you'd, if, you, if you do keep your hand in, you stay reasonably fit, but. For me, I've just found it, it. If I go out for a jog around the block, literally a mile in the morning, don't have a hot shower and a cold shower, my day is just always brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think balancing your mental health, which seems all of us veterans, <laughs> veterans or a lot of <laughs> us veterans have to take really seriously. Um, you don't want to live in that bloody cave of darkness. And I find that re really helps. But also it's just surprising if you keep plugging away at a run even if it's a hundred miler or something you get you you finish it eventually i think um i think it's like like we we were saying earlier it's a state of mind isn't it yeah exactly. back isn't it 
you know, and think, oh, <laughs> your mind says, oh, I'm still living, you know, my days in the calm with regards to that level of fitness. And then as soon as you step foot outside, the old age starts creeping up on you. And especially if you're not training regularly anyway, you know, it's it's been seven years since I've done any fizz. And, and the last fizz I was doing was walking the length of Britain backwards, you know, so it's, so it's just totally different. And that, and that again, that was for charity and raise, raising money for charity. But can I tell you an amazing thing, right? Uh, and it relates to Buster, who I just mentioned in the chat, Buster Keating, and also one of my best friends, Steve Salmon, who was in my troop in training. When I ran the length of the country, they, I stayed at both their houses as I come through Devon or come through Somerset and Devon. And without saying anything, in the morning, they just put my backpack on, which was 15 kilos. So friends, listen, that's about the, that's about the size of the luggage when you go on a big holiday. <laughs> I was carrying every day. Both those lads just put it on without me saying anything, and I'm like, no, 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 give it, give. It. And they're like, nah. And they both ran. And this is not having done any fizz of sorts for years and years. And they both ran thirty milers with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. When people were, when I try and explain to people why you you can be so proud to be a Royal Marine. You can't really put that in, in into words. No, it's oh, that's hugely difficult to put into words. I, I don't think you can put it into words. It's just a feeling. It's an it, it's an emotion. It's like a kinesthetic. It's very very difficult to uh, to put anything on it. Uh, it's like you, you know you know when you're talking about somebody just putting something on and doing 30 miles because of what we've done you will push your body until it's broken and then when you think it's broken it's not broken you push more yeah and and, and that's and, and that's that's the big difference and that is when some people think like your you know your viewers when they want to train they think they've pushed their you know, their perceived level of exertion to 100%. No, they haven't. It's about going, well, I can go further. I can go faster. I can go stronger. And it's just push, 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 push. And when you think you can't push anymore, push it. You know, and you look at extreme circumstances, like on the bottom field, what I used to say to recruiters, listen, you can't get over that six-foot wall, but you get over it on your seventh attempt. And I'm like, well, fuck me. The first attempt would have been easier than the seventh one. So why didn't you not get over on the first one? And it was because they didn't have their mind in the right gear. Mm. And that's what it's all about. It's getting that mind in the right gear. And once your mind's in the right gear, you can do anything. Yeah. You look at what vet, some of veterans are achieving, you know, I mean, just in, in regards to not just endurance events, but even like, you know, Frank Spencer, you know, amputee goes and goes and rolls from you know Europe to, to South America and smashes the able-bodied record. At fifty years old or whatever, you know, forty odd years old, fifty years old, and that is that that mindset. And it, you've got to push it. I mean, I pushed it last Sunday. Or I'm still suffering a bit now, but you you do you you have been pushed, but you know, eleven miles instead of nine. But it's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's like I'm always a namet, and uh, you know. <laughs> hey, if and, anyone uh, fails, Dunk's gonna have you falling in at six o'clock the next morning for a rerun, fellas. You do know that, right? <laughs> no one wants a rerun. <laughs> but it is that mindset. It, it, it is that's it's that state of mind. But you have been pushed to that certain point, so. We've obviously got that maturity and a few. Well, I've got a lot more extra pounds to to carry now. Um, but my mindset will take me when I'm training to pushing. It's very easy to give up and just go. Well, why am I doing this? Yeah, I don't need to do it. I don't need to prove it. But I think it just gives. It's now becoming a higher purpose for me. If that makes sense. I mean, even down to a Zoom meeting. You know, yesterday having the crack and like we're having a crack now it just it's, it's that togetherness and that bond which is very hard like you just said kinesthetic wise it's more of a feel you feel it rather than trying to explain it to people on what this what it is and what you know the green lid represents and what it took to get that but also maintaining it you know maintaining that and, and though, isn't it? i mean you know obviously we've suffered with depression and stuff like that and and because of that, I've gone up and down in weight and stuff. And and I think, you know, I've got a great friend. He's a wooden top. He's a guardsman. He's an absolute beast of a man. He gets me to go CrossFit and do weights and all the rest of it. So he pushes me. But he has to motivate me. And he shouldn't have to do that, really. But the great thing about this, jumping on board this, is we're all doing it together. And it's we're all going through the same sort of thing. And and all that sort of stuff so it's pushing our bodies again which is giving us that motivation you know that get up and go and uh yeah it's good it's good yeah yeah, yeah. fellas listen i'm conscious that the 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 time i don't want to go on too long for, because anyone who hasn't watched us live will go oh my god that's a two-hour video I'm, i haven't got time to watch that so let's finish up rick can you give a um a shout out to what you what what you do mate because i know that's really um been quite a special thing yeah i um have uh, i now make sculpt and, and draw and it's called the conflict poppy collection and it started with me bringing some earth back on my last tour of afghanistan from sangin and um i've been going a, a year and a half now and uh you can see in background you know just to the side as all, all them jars there um which i'm collecting earths from different conflict zones and we'd be at the falklands syria somalia normandy iraq afghan and um they're just custom made and, and i do this and i raise money for a variety of charities of the purchaser's choice so i sculpt the poppy by hand and then it'll have a regimental button and it's sprinkled with the actual earth from that zone and it's, it's all about provenance and, and stories and just by making a little difference by giving proceeds to uh, proceeds of profits to charity I can just do my little thing to give back having received out myself Chris so if, if people are interested in any of the art all the poppies and we can make a little difference to charity it's called conflict poppy collection yeah, I'm just showing your um, Facebook page. I managed to cut all of our heads off, but that yeah, that thank you, yeah, nice. thank you. Yeah. There we go. Um, and, uh, motto is inspired by sacrifice. You know, we've all lost colleagues. Unfortunately, I lost my cousin six weeks after I'd just got back. Um, we've obviously lost guys to suicide. Um, 
Yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to come on to is why are we doing this? And, well, I'll say why we're doing it. We're, we're, we're doing it because being a service person um, has certain traits. And one of the traits I think a lot of us have is we carry a lot of baggage, I'm going to say, from from our youth. Um, and what with what, what, not not just what with with the experiences people pick up as they go through the service. So so traumatic incidents in in conflict, for example, um, but also the kind of the way the environment, the military is. You don't have to. I mean, I didn't. If you'd mentioned depression to me when I was in the military, I wouldn't have known what you're talking about. If you'd have mentioned anxiety. Wouldn't, wouldn't, I know there will be people that, that would have experienced that, but um, for me, it wasn't until I left that I found myself on my ass. I had no clue what was happening to me. And one of the, I mean, this is probably going off at a bit of a tangent, but that can be quite a bad place to be when the yardstick that we use to measure success in life is all materialistic shit that's not really that when, when it comes down to it isn't that important yeah the, the 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 yardstick of being happy is like can you smile at the sun every day have you got a roof over your head tonight you know that's basically basically it but i think a lot of blokes start getting down and they spar and they self-medicate with with, with the booze and the substances um, because of the stress and then the anxiety just starts rising up even more. So they medicate more and then things start to spiral out of control because obviously the partner doesn't want the children around around this. And it it's all what we call unresolved trauma. And I hope by what we're doing in these conversations we're having, which have all been very honest, that we can start to not just... I hate the term raise awareness because it's such cliche, but mainly let service folk know it's fine to talk about this stuff because when you come through it, you just become <laughs> much a much stronger unit and um, yeah. you, get, you, you understand your place in life a lot better and all the shit that you used to measure yourself against becomes it, it <clears throat> becomes irrelevant. And, of course, the actual support we're giving guys, you know, um, I've been fortunate to be on the receiving end of charity. The The British Legion gave me a grant uh, after I came out of my huge mental health challenges. And I studied to become a development instructor and I went off to Africa and I taught street children um, on the beach there in uh, war-torn Mozambique. And it changed my life. I mean, I hit that beach running, literally. I was just able to be bang back my old self, you know. And um, and it was a special thing. And it especially, again, was the guy that sat down and helped me write out that career development grant thing, right, was ex-Bootneck. So it was like, right, sit down, son. Let's get, let's, let's get this. And... You don't get that when you go down a benefits office or whatever and they just thrust all these forms at you and you're, you know, you can't even bloody open a letter at home because you're so depressed. And yet you've got like 10 forms wanting all this stuff and this paperwork and this, you know, P this and P that. And you're like, 
help. Um, and yeah, that, it, it was just a nice touch and, and hopefully the, the Royal Marines charity can be providing that level of support or it might be up, up obviously other, other levels of support and, and different, um, in different forms that might just keep a family together or keep one of our oppers on this planet during this um, horrible suicide uh, epidemic that we're experiencing. There's still a lot of stigma, isn't there? There's, there's still a lot of stigma with regards to mental health. Some of that mental health doesn't manifest until years after an event. It's not just straight away. And you have all the lectures, you know, when we were coming back from Afghan, you go through a place, Northern Cyprus, called Bloodhound Camp, and you'd have your, your um, decompression, as they call it, and you'd have specific lectures by um, nurses who were flown out from King's College London, and they'd go through certain stuff. But as um, the, my understanding, having been diagnosed at the end of my service and transitioning out with PTSD, is I've come to realise that I just had a natural reaction to unnatural circumstances I had experienced. Now, there would be something psychotic about me if I wouldn't have had that. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's, um, that's why they don't like it being called PTSD, being called a, a stress disorder, do they? Because it's not a disorder, yeah. it's a natural yeah. reaction. Or a PBI, yeah, a traumatic brain injury. And, and it does, I, I find myself, like you saying, it could be overwhelming with paperwork, with administration. Things take a little bit more time to, you know, um, comprehend or I can be sidetracked. Every, everybody's I can't speak for everybody you know but um, there's just some of my own experiences of it but when you're in them darkest depths it, it's just it, and you, you hit the nail on the head Chris because you said you know you do not know what's happening to you now for myself I've been such a confident guy top of my game and then I just suddenly left the car you know having turned down my seniors etc <laughs> and and then all of a sudden it's like I'm depressed, I'm living like a hermit in my house and I've never been that guy, I've been confident, outgoing travelled the world and now I'm living in the same four walls not wanting to even go outside and it's like what is happening inside it was so alien Yeah, I felt, I felt really disempowered because all my mates like my civvy mates and that, they were cracking on with jobs and they had like, like I say, all this materialistic measures that we now know aren't, aren't as, in the, as important as, as what society wants you to think they are. But it's it's that thing when you're in the core, everyone goes, oh, you, you're a Royal Marine, you're set for life. It's like, fucking really? <laughs> when you come out and the employer it's like, oh, so you're in the army. Right, you know they they haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue who the Royal Marines are or what they do and all this sort of stuff, and and that you can camouflage your face and hold a rifle and say yes, sir. That you know that that doesn't even get your job into. You know, I say this no disrespect, folks, but you know, shacking a shelf in a supermarket. I wasn't even qualified for anything. And that just compounded my sort of um, uh, my issues. But um, yeah, what do we say then to anyone out there who might be watching this or might be trying to support someone who's going through um, 
going through something what what's our should we all give one 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 or two bits of advice we'll start with you rick yeah just be normal around them don't keep asking them if they're okay just say you know go about it in a different manner but they are still your friend you know it's it's, it's like a it marriage isn't it for better or for worse but just treat the person the same they are human yes and um oh something came to mind there um something that really helped me was i had a, a, a mate when i was in hong kong and he used to go chris you're just transitioning you've just come out of the military it, 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 you're just tra- transition you know you transition into civil street it's fine and there was just something about that that was reassuring um i didn't think he was right to be honest I, but chris chris how, how how long has it took you to, to transition though oh Oh God, that's a, just a, that we could talk about that all night, mate, couldn't we? You know, yeah. I I don't know if I've still got a foot. I'm, I didn't think about the Marines for years and years. If I was honest, um, I sort of, you know, we didn't have Facebook back then when I left the Marines, because um, I live in a military city. K, I think I bumped into two, two of my, my muckers during all that during about fifteen years, um. It wasn't until Facebook come around and I was suddenly getting these friend requests from people. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. We used to work at Stonehouse together or we were in Norway to get, you know, and it, it was really nice. And and um, off the back of that, I started a, a reunion, um, which just become pretty big. And it, it, it was quite nice, really, because... It just reminded me of all the good stuff about the core, you know, and the really good guys you meet, and and, and just the, you just meet some solid, solid guys, don't you? And 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 females as well, of course. I was on ship for for a year. We were the first ship to have wrens on board, which was <laughs> can't take can't tell you those stories. I tell you, but um, what you did crap. <laughs> but the transition it's kind of double isn't it because it's not just transition from the military but it's transitioning your own journey on life and working out you know working out what works for you and and, and, and what what doesn't work and and um being strong in certain areas where you probably haven't been you know we could all fight and we could all run we could all do that stuff but it's when it comes to like what's in in here that the the strong battle i mean you didn't spin the stories, did you, or the dates? When you're outside two people, they ask you stuff, and it's just like that older generation where they didn't speak about it. Obviously, we were brought up in generations where we didn't speak about it. It's not like nowadays where it's all like, right, speak up, everything else. So you are holding it in anyway. But then it's like if we, you know, this was just private, we'd be spinning dates which telling stories of our times in war, and we could go as deep as what we want because we know we've all been there. So it's harder for someone who hasn't been there, you know, to try and relate to what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So it manifests inside and you're not speaking about, I'm not saying speaking therapy is the best for everybody, but naturally you do that when you, I know they have all what they call the trauma risk management, the trim managers now in service, but that always tends to be seniors and sergeant major. And unless you are, you know, one of the opposite pissing up partners, you ain't going to go that deep. But it, so it needs to be across across the ball, all management levels. Yeah. You know, from the marine up, 
Yeah, it, it, I'm hoping it's changing now. But back in the day, you had, you, you had yeah. some right stiff kind of guys in the core, and they thought that they thought the Royal Marines core is my way. It's fucking this way, and it's it it. You wouldn't have wanted to talk to them guys about stuff, you know, and and. Some lads going off the rails, you know, was just sort of like the norm in the core, you know. <laughs> you know, as long as they were hoofing in the field, it didn't matter, you know, if they were admin, admin nightmare or welfare case on camp. But, the, you know, but then as the next level, and I seen it after someone had, you know, a, a friend of mine had, 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 had a, obviously a bad tour on Herrick 5 um, with 4-5 Commando, and yet he was a personality anyway. It just got pushed that, and you could see him going through the down. I mean, proper downward spiral. Uh, you know, of causes of concern compared to the others who've gone. Yeah, well, I've been on the piss for two weeks. You know. Yeah, there's um, going slightly off our advice to people, but if if the military was a corporation, they'd be fucking shit, wouldn't they? Can you imagine? If, can you imagine if? You, <laughs> Well, can you imagine if you were like Jaguar or something and you, you were responsible for the biggest homeless population in the UK um, and one of the biggest suicide statistics, you'd be you'd be up in the human rights court. <laughs> but the military, once they wash their hands of you, it, it's... Well, um, you know, are people aware of the stats, Chris? Are people, the current stats, your, your audience, you know, are they currently aware? Well... We get a different audience all the time because obviously the nature of who might who might just happen to see this on on YouTube, but um, it, it's also what is it? There's lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics, aren't there? And and this is a prime case because yes, officially we lose let let's say three hundred guys a year to suicide guys, sorry guys and girls to suicide, but predominantly. It's predominantly men that commit suicide, but that's just what comes to light. That doesn't take into consideration all the people we know that have drunk themselves to death, yeah. uh, drugged themselves to death, overdosed, ended up dying in the gutter, homeless. Um, it doesn't take into consideration the children that are damaged beyond belief because of the the the, the parents being un unable to manage their their trauma those children then carrying that themselves through life and it just just going down the generations um the cost to society the cost to the taxpayer the cost to the nhs of having such a broken damaged workforce so yeah i i like to kind of you know put the sort of bigger <laughs> it's, it's not very pretty is it but you know, it's um no it is i mean what, you were saying sorry i took it off on a tangent there chris so you question i just think the, 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 the government are just shying away from their responsibilities clearly um and it, it yeah they need you know they need pressure put putting on them if if you're going to recruit the sort of guys that want to be in elite forces well a good percentage of them will want to be in elite forces for certain reasons. And and for many of us, that reason was we come from incredibly damaged childhood. And yeah. the, the, the core offered us 
a way of proving ourselves and not being that, you know, loser kid that our, whoever it might be, the school teachers or the parents told us. And if that's who you're recruiting into your workforce, you need you need to put measures in place um, yeah. Yeah. when they leave. But of course, how, uh, whether that will ever be, ever be done. Um, There's an interesting um, TED Talks, which is um, an ex-officer of the USMC, and he goes into that complete subject about how the recruitment's done, usually in the lower poverty areas in the States, and they get the Marines, and they get broken very easily because of their backgrounds and stuff like that. And he was going on to, we should be repairing them and reintroducing these guys into society, not break them and just wash our hands of the problem. You know, so... I mean, the, the states and people like that, Australia, they're, they're so far ahead in dealing with this this subject at the moment. It's untrue, untrue. Like Rick doing the art, you know, they have been doing that for a long time. To engage is part of the brain, which is suddenly dead when you have PTSD. If I'm right, Rick, I think I'm right on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the creativity wise and the the stimulus, the yeah. the stimulus which keeps me in the present. So it allows my brain as well to be flat, as in I aren't thinking back then, you know, and, and you're trying to remind yourself of that I'm driving a car. It's all right to look in the rearview mirror at my past or what's behind me, but my focus should always be in the in, in front of me. Yeah. Don't, don't get caught up on looking back. And they call that guided reflection, and you should be able to do that on your terms. And this is something I've learned on the coaching journey. I've never gone through the tablet route um, since. And this is 12, coming up to 12 years since I was diagnosed. I don't like to put that label on myself. I will freely talk about it. And there's some people who, who won't. And, and the, you know, you just, uh, going back to Chris's question, which is relevant now, is, is you just want to be treated normal when you know something is, <laughs> not right and you want someone to relate to you not everybody can everybody's unique everybody's individual everybody's experiences are different whether it be from war operations <coughs> traumatic circumstances childhood you know um so yeah i mean what about yourself jess what advice would you give on uh, for me well, I mean, i've been through it all so i've nearly taken my life i've been homeless uh, only for a short period and stuff like that my big thing would be the buddy buddy system look in check on you mate don't get him absolute shit face certainly pour him a beer and have a chat and stuff and if you're really concerned there's an oppo uh, it's really difficult when you're in a bad headspace yourself you, you're very unwilling to pick up a phone so it's all very well having all these phone lines and stuff like that. You become very dysfunctional anyway. You're just blinkered. You don't want to know. You don't want to hassle him when it's that pride. But if you're concerned about one of your oppos, you pick up the phone and start sourcing that help. And it can be done, you know, nice and softly. And that's what I would say. I think in the genre of this generation, there's a, a presence of disconnection with social media where people think they know somebody but we can mask we we're, we're, we're the masters at deception you know and people do not see that you're suffering we can smile but we're not smiling from within 
for That's sure. another thing. It it should be part of the commando ethos <coughs> that you don't ever fucking go on social media slagging off another military veteran. Mm. You see some of these pages, it's like, who the fuck are you people, you know? Mm-hmm. Writing comments about other veterans who even veterans that you know are battling trauma. Um, I, d- I think um, there needs to be like a massive education in this in this area. You go on some of these Facebook pages that are set up for for traumatised veterans. The veterans in, in the pages are, some of them are the worst for it. Well, yeah, I just always... Judge, the judge, Chris. And they're trying to measure someone's depression or experience and measure it with someone else's or try and compare it. It's not comparable. Mental health and depression is exactly that, irrespective of what scenario it was under, military or civilian. You know, um, there's, there's... there's, it's specific to that individual. So yeah, I've seen it on social media, like you say, where people are trying to slate other people and they're saying, um, right, well, you haven't been a while, so why are you suffering? You know, they're saying that to somebody. That could be the tipping point of going, <laughs> you know, someone goes and takes their life. Yeah, like, oh, you know, oh like massively. Them like that. Massively. It, it's, I've always said it's really simple. In life, you're either a person that pushes people towards suicide or you're a person that pulls them away. There isn't any middle ground and there's no excuses. And saying, cast, cast, you know, calling people water mitties and all this stuff and, and, and questioning people's service, it, it, like you say, Rick, that could... And, and then we wonder why we're in a suicide epidemic. Um, it's um, So I hope people can... Uh, might be listening to this might adjust their uh, behavior the other thing we got to mention isn't it that is we're not really elite forces because one of the things we do is really not it's not elite at all <laughs> although although looking back i won't say i kind of would i would have regretted it at the time but that's the alcohol isn't it you know we we're we're taught we're taught to um, down this poison in massive quantities at pretty much every given. Uh, and I think the socialising, the alcohol just came with the socialising as well. So then in turn, it was just a cycle. Because you, your downtime, whether it be through the week, especially for those who you know lived on camp or camp orphans, was, well, you, 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 you're with your oppos. You're going to go out, you know, I remember being in a best at Stonehouse. It was literally a 10-minute walk, run ashore, you know, every, you know, five, six nights a week in Plymouth. And I spent six six years down there and now they killed me. <laughs> but, it, but I could get away with it because I was young and I could get up that next morning and go for a run or if I'd been bagging off, you know, <laughs> limited sleep. But it was just, you went out, the drink came with the socialising aspect and that was sort of like you unwinding no matter if you'd been in field for a week you know two weeks exercise operations whatever it was just a natural process yeah i'd say to anyone who's not quite firing who doesn't want to hop out of bed in the morning and just crack on with their day because they can't wait really got to consider how well obviously all drugs but but alcohol being the biggest one um you especially as you get older, you just can't feel right in yourself. 
when you've been drinking a day before um just knocks you it kind of like knocks you off your perch even just like slightly and some you know i mean i i did it for 30 30 years so it's not this is not a lecture for anyone listening but when i look back <laughs> i do question what why did i feel the need to drink every day for 30 pretty much 30 years and um when life is like so much better without it um so yeah i just wanted to chip that in if you're not feeling quite right but and you're drinking then then it's like very often that is a not not all the answers but it's certainly uh certainly depressing isn't it alcohol is a depressant as well yeah massively yeah well we that someone popped up before, I think, on a question on uh, YouTube or a, you know a, a, a statement saying coming together or something. I come in and I can't remember what they just put. But what about you, Dunks? What 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 advice would you give to someone for their oppo or to or to how to treat you if you were suffering, for example? How would you like to just put? What about you, Dunks? What what? The, the, the video I put up this morning, uh, I remember when I was doing private security and I was working with this one particular guy, right? And we were just talking and, and I goes, oh, I've had enough of this shit. I'm going to stop plumbing and gas. I says, I just can't be fucked with this. This is just, it's, you know, this is why I left the court doing this sort of shit, you know? I just, I just had enough. I've had enough of carrying ammunition around, being a figure 11 target for a pop, you know, I've just had enough. And we were just chatting, and after three weeks I left, never went back. And uh, and I was speaking to my mate who I was with, and then I sort of like lost contact with him, because we were going to do the course together, and he wouldn't answer his phone. And when he did, when I did, when I did speak to him on the phone, he go, "Oh, I'm a bit busy. Can I phone you back later?" He never did, and I just wish I had spared that moment a bit longer and persevered, because he's not here now. Because uh, he, 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 he did, he, he took his own life, and I just wish I'd spared that pressing a button on my phone to phone him up. And I wish I, I wish he could be there now on the phone, but he's not. And just spare a moment. That's all it is, because you don't know, you ringing that number, that's all it takes. Just somebody, they don't even have to answer it, do they? They're just, you know, you're getting thought of. That's it. Just spare a moment. It's very easy for people just to try and message or whatever is a difference isn't there with regards to actual speaking i mean i would rather speak face to face with people yeah so that's been hard in this um pandemic yeah covid but we have the social means like this i mean this has done me the world of good not just you know but like our zoom in the week before you know obviously i've worked with dunks i haven't worked with jason i haven't worked with chris but you know it's there's that common ground but i also know like i did in the group and for these people um listening live is is i i do suffer i still suffer and i put it on the group 
And straight away, Dunks messaged me just with something totally random, not even asking how I was. I didn't need that. And he switched on to it straight away. And it just lifted me straight back up into that boot neck. Let's have a laugh. And we had a bit of a, you know, dialect. Yeah, but I yeah. knew that I didn't need to. He then knew he didn't need to ring me because of how I was responded back. So it's, it's picking up on that vibe, isn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's all it is. You know, and when, when when you're feeling like dog shit, sometimes you've got to find your poison, you know, and I'm not referencing drink. I'm referencing find your poison. It may be walking your dog. It may be going for a run, going for a swim, going for a cycle, just doing something that when you finish it, you know is proven to make you feel better. And it's usually getting out in the fresh fucking air and it costs nothing get out yeah you know it, it's okay not to be okay just get out don't worry about it just get out it, you, you instantly forget about them deep thoughts which take you into that black hole yes, so, yeah. you know i went for a run this morning and did that video um you know just obviously going on on about one of the guys from bootneck who took his life two years ago and that and i attended two of the funerals out of them three guys and going through it I was able to do the guided reflection, but at the same time, I was out. I'd been for a run. I built up a, you know, sweat. You could see it trickling down my, my grid. But I was in the present, and all I was thinking about is, is right, you know, I'm going to crack this challenge. I'm going to do some good in this world to help others. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's, that's it, you know. I, I, I remember when I... I had this job and I didn't really, I didn't really get on with the boss and all I could, I was having dreams every night of me absolutely smashing them to bits, <laughs> just running up, kicking them as hard as I could in the chest and beating them until, oh. When I'm coming back, that's the was it? <laughs> what I used to have to do, I used to have to go outside on my punch bag, I used to have to get my mitts on and punch that punch bag with his face on that punch bag. <laughs> and it only took us about 30 seconds. Then I was fine. Yeah. And I was okay. I'd get rid of that. And then I could go back to being chilled again until I seen him. I'm <laughs> only joking about that. But yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's thinking, isn't it? Sometimes you think too much. Because I do, and I still do. I think, oh, should I have done this? Should I not? Why, why, what do you think that is, or why do you think we're overthinking? I don't know. No idea. No idea. But, it, you know, when, as, you, as you get older, you tend not to give a fuck anymore. <laughs> yeah. it's, um, I, I think it's fear, guys. I've been thinking about that recently. I think it's fear when we're in that mode nothing's going right it's quite frightening isn't it you know you can't go out and function normally you can't get a job you're living a life that's just completely different to how you used to be you you you're stressing about bills you're stressing about your bloody what if is it your alcohol intake or you're, you're stressing about your public image and i think with that your mind is constantly trying to rationalize how to how to combat that stress and I think we should finish up here, folks. Um, 
I would just say to anyone listening, if it, however you might be uh, challenged at the moment and not feeling, not feeling yourself, please listen to the things that we've said in this conversation. You can join my completely free life coaching um, or let's just call it a life coaching community on Facebook, Chris Rule Community, One Life Smash It, where we only allow positive stuff. We don't let any mainstream media or politics um, come come in there. Uh, I would encourage you to think that the, the universe doesn't really change. It's an amazing, beautiful place. And if we're not quite feeling it, it's just that we got to tweak our thinking. We just got to tweak it because we've all us guys have had to do it. Um, you just got to tweak it and you've got to hang in there. Nothing is worth departing uh, this earth for. Um, hang in there. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel and you will find it. And uh, just think of your training because we, we, you know, we've all come through... Uh, We've all come through hardships. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. So I say to you, boys, thank you ever so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for accompanying me on this little jaunt this month. <laughs> oh. um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> With all this brotherhood we've been talking we've been about. On <laughs> With all this brotherhood, I'm sure you'll be uh, running forward to grab my bergen when i start falling over <laughs> to everybody at home if you'd like to support us get on it just facebook forward slash groups forward slash speed march to donate if you can chuck us a fiver uh it's gofundme.com forward slash speed march equally as important as people just sharing our posts in the group and getting that out on their Facebooks. Uh, and and that's it. And friends at home, much love to you all. If you could please like and subscribe, that would be hoofing. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.